0: This is the show podcast coming back at you from a bit of a lull there. In fact, this conversation is from the end of May. I'm a little bit busy, so is Michelle. Um although this is more on me for just not being able to get to these as fast as I'd like. So this one just it, it sat for a while, but it's it's a very good conversation if you can put up with my rambling. I apologize. It's a uh, it's even worse than usual if that's even possible. But there's some good stuff here. Um, Michelle has some really good information on not only OG fascist Mussolini, but also on what's kind of going on in the weird world of fascist politics in modern Italy. Um, So there's that. There's some more stuff to it. And on this recording, we're featuring the song All of the Color. It's a new single by our friends Pan Astral. So it's super, super, super cool. Please check them out. Panastral.com, Panastral on Bandcamp, Panastral wherever you get your digital music. I don't see any shows coming up right now, but check back Panastral.com very soon and there might be something. I don't want to spend too much more time on here. So without further ado, here's the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: I mean, I've been doing research, but it's, like, a, a lot more historical stuff, so I'm not sure, like, how well, One of the things will
0: go. <laughs> I was hoping we could get into tonight is a buddy of mine yesterday was, like, asking me to give ex- actual examples of why it's not hyperbole to call Trump his cronies and basically his sycophants in the Republican Party, you know, that they're... You know, at least engaging in some fascism here or there, Uh and uh, so I was hoping we kind of like get some like solid because I tried to like bring up a few like points, like the whole thing of diluting facts by lying all the time, and then going, well, everyone lies, but you're the one that's doing most of the lying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Then there's the whole like demanding that things that are not true be given the same weight that things that are. So what Hmm. came to mind was. You know, there are schools where they want creationism taught alongside of evolution Mm -hmm. when that's not science. Like, you go to church and learn that stuff if you want, but that's not actual science. Right. Um, Or, you know, for that matter, teaching that flat earth is is actual science. Mm -hmm. And he didn't seem to agree with that. He also brought (laughs) up the whole thing that, well, Trump hasn't actually silence the media yet, which I think you may have seen one of my tweets from a couple weeks ago where this guy was like, uh, slow down with the fascism stuff here. Trump hasn't killed his political opponents yet. Like, what? He doesn't have to get to that phase first before you can, like, only now can we call him a fascist.
1: Right, yeah. Like, there's a particular threshold in, when you dabble in fascism. <laughs> like, now... Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of parallels um, that that we can see. And I was even researching like modern Italy and politics and uh, how their newer fascist movements. Trump loves to support all of those things. Um, But uh, well, let me how I envisioned starting off was actually just ask. You were the one that suggested Mussolini Mm -hmm. as a topic. So why don't you tell me why that came to mind? Like, was there an interest in him as a topic or just a, like a jumping off point?
0: There had been, like, I realized for a while that for someone that holds a degree in political science, I don't feel I know a whole lot about Mussolini. Like, I kind mm-hmm. of know a bit how he came to power. And then from there, it's sort of like, oh, yeah. And then him and his wife were executed, you know, publicly executed. Uh,
1: There's like a 25-year gap of yeah. like, him coming to power. And then, oh, yeah, and then Italy turned on him, you know? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. <and> you're right. <laughs> from what I remember growing up, my dad basically told me that, oh, yeah, well, they sort of turned on him because he aligned himself with Hitler. And things just went really badly from there. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're they're being told to go to places in Africa and fight. They're not doing a great job. The economy's kind of going mm-hmm. to shit. Uh. hmm I don't know the history of Italy or, like, kind of the demographics very well, but I Mm -hmm. do know that in places like Sicily, he was extremely unpopular because they're kind of used to having almost like a local power center, if you will, as opposed to a central government.
1: Mm, But
0: what really kicked it off was, what, three weeks ago now, comedian and actor Jim Carrey posted something he painted depicting... Uh, Mussolini and his dead wife, like, because they were, well, was I think it's technically ex- his mistress. Mistress, okay.
1: Yeah, it was uh, his mistress, but yes, go ahead.
0: At the time of that they were executed, and Mussolini's granddaughter, who is still relevant, at least in Italy mm-hmm. apparently, took umbrage with this, and they had proceeded to have a Twitter battle about it. Mm-hmm. And it was like, all right, first of all, what the fuck? <laughs> S- second, um his granddaughter is still around and relevant. So therefore we should probably uh get into Mussolini a little bit more because I don't want to like project my own knowledge onto others, but if my own knowledge is lacking, like probably a fair amount of people that are in the same boat. So that's when I was like yeah. hmm, I wanna do a Mussolini podcast for sure.
1: <laughs> sure. And I, I think that's an interesting jumping off point too, because You know, if your last name is Hitler or your last name is, you know, Stalin, Mm -hmm. uh, that carries a lot of negative. It's hard to imagine that the descendants of certain people in history should or would have any room or power in politics anymore, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not the case in Italy because uh, his granddaughter, the one who called Jim Carrey a bastard on Twitter... (laughs) (laughs) Her, her name is Alessandra Mussolini and she is the current representative in government there. And I think his grandson, I don't know how, if they're like siblings or if this is just another branch off in the family, but somebody else with the name Mussolini, he's also playing around in politics these oh. days too. And I, you know... It, Make but Italy it's kind great of, again. Pretty much. Like, <laughs> it's, it's hard to imagine like how this could possibly be. Um, but I mean as we've talked about, you know, right right-wing extremism kind of becoming more common and more boisterous and, and more popular, um Italy is one of those places that that is happening to. And it's it is kind of like the the make it great again idea, this you know, the mythic history that mm-hmm. oh things were way better. But that's kind of what Mussolini did in the 20s anyways. So it's like <laughs> It's almost, it almost feels like Inception here, like so many layers of <laughs> of dreams and false narratives that you're being worked through. Um, but uh, you know, some of the people who were in the fascist party or kind of sects of this of the fascist party at the end of World War II, they kind of still hovered around and created new parties that are the parties that we see now in Italy who are in charge, like the League, the Brothers of Italy. Um, Forza Nuova is an attraction, and they directly and proudly, um, you know, claim their heritage as the Mussolini fascists from 100 years ago. Wonderful. Yeah, like there's, you know, it's, there's a lot of coded language to it, too. It's not like, it's not like they say exactly the same things um, that the fascist party did 100 years ago, but... It's, um,
0: I would imagine, a lot of the same kind of thing where... I mean, because,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I mean, Italy, it's impossible to ignore, you know, the whole Roman Empire thing. Like, we once controlled, like, the known world. What happened now? I mm-hmm. know what happened. It was, you know, people not believing in the states or people believing in, or, you know, not believing in the in the uh, true honor and ability of the elite establishment. Am I on to something at all? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, <I don't>, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was reading my notes, Noel. I got kind of lost. That's okay. <laughs> um, but okay, so let me let me do something else then. So you brought up Jim Carrey and Mussolini's granddaughter. Yes. It does seem like in the last couple of years, Mussolini has been talked about more and more. Like in Which,
0: 2016,
1: <laughs> Trump tweeted like, yeah. tweeted a quote from him, and, and it was that just was- like. I believe
0: a Gawker journalist, maybe a Gizmodo journalist, who had set up no, an it account was Gawker. He well, was Gawker. <laughs> it was Gawker. Um, who just tweeted Mussolini quotes at Trump repeatedly until he f- retweeted one, and then went on TV when asked about it, goes, "Well, Mussolini was Mussolini," and that was the only explanation he gave.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just said he liked being associated with good quotes yes because he's a fucking idiot but i mean there's there's been other people like um i don't think i even have his name written down but the president of the european parliament mm-hmm. he basically said recently that mussolini got some things it's like well at least the trains ran on time oh. when mussolini was in charge and but that's been that's been a long time yeah. kind of quote so there's always been this little bit of admiration still because things it it always seemed like things were a little bit better They were a little more controlled. They were a little, you know, things ran on time. There was
0: order. There was chaos.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It felt more orderly, and that's something that people liked. Um, and that's and that's floated around for a very very long time. But now it seems to be taking hold like in a completely different and much darker way.
0: Yes. Yes. It does.
1: I feel like one other thing um, in in doing the research that kind of stood out to me was that. You know, Mussolini, he may have been a fascist, but at least he didn't do the Holocaust.
0: Yes, that's another one.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like, well, he wasn't that bad then, was he? Like, fascism wasn't that terrible. And, well, it was, because they still did a lot of, like, political murders and were anti-Semitic, all the same. Wasn't
0: it the Italians who fairly horribly brutalized at least parts of Greece?
1: Yes, Okay. Yes, I believe so, during, uh, during the Second World War. Yes. yes. That was not good. And they also, they invaded Ethiopia. They invaded um, uh, parts of Albania and Croatia and um, Slovenia, I believe. Because, of course, they did. <laughs> because, of course, they did. Well, that was the other thing. Like, Mussolini, he, he had empirical dreams, too. Um, you know, dreams of empire, uh, just like Hitler did. But the, the, the ideology was slightly different. And so I feel like that's why Mussolini is just considered like a strong, great leader as opposed to like a monster okay. is because he didn't he didn't have the same racial ideology. So hmm.
0: do you it, think that was by design or do you think it was more
1: kind no, of the I nature of how was,
0: Italy was at the time?
1: I yeah, yeah, I think that's just how Italy was and just how Mussolini himself was. So, I mean, his his background is really interesting. He was his father was a blacksmith and he grew up in abject poverty and that's how he was born in 1883 and that's how most of italy was Mm -hmm. was in abject poverty at that time that's why we in the united states got so many southern european and you know very many italian immigrants coming to our country at that time because there were no there were very few prospects the economy wasn't really industrialized and there was nowhere to go or grow, and, you know, the, the king and his elites and their, like, pseudo-democratic system, you know, certain just the certain elites had the power, and, you know, the the lower rungs of society were just stuck.
0: It should be noted, however, background. that uh, even, you know, in 1885 and around that when you know, Italian immigrants and others would have been coming to the U.S., their prospects wouldn't have been much better. They may have had employment, but they still would have been living in likely abject poverty. Mm-hmm. Yay!
1: But it, but at least it was like there was still the opportunity there that Italy didn't seem to have.
0: Yeah, because it America
1: was, was growing it was new. and it was big yeah. and it was industrializing yeah. and yeah, there were there was places to go.
0: You could go and get land and get away from whoever mm-hmm. your local, you know, either it be government uh, magistrates or in a lot of cases mafia chieftain
1: right yeah their land ownership was far more likely and therefore getting out of poverty was far more likely in america than it was in italy but so coming from that background he came he was actually a socialist to begin with but what? not just, yeah, no, <laughs> shocking, just shocking news here news flash, everyone um i've read jonah dad,
0: goldberg's book just because you
1: haven't <laughs> yeah i don't know what i'm talking about <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, his father was a hardcore socialist at the time, which kind of makes sense in a lot of ways because socialism was talking about everybody being taken care of instead of mm-hmm. just the rich people. But their form of socialism, which kind of also makes sense and kind of sets up for what is to come later, and uh, but I that that racialized thing like that never. I mean, Italy in general, along with the Catholic Church, was kind of anti-Semitic anyways, but it wasn't, he wasn't talking about this being culture, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, is a little bit different. It's not the, it's not the same thing. You know, when he's talking about, you know, bringing pride to Italy and making his country great, he's hearkening back to the Roman era. He's going back to ancient times when Rome controlled, like, I don't know, a fourth of the known world, or, you know, I don't yeah. know, kind of made that percentage up. But anyways, um, uh, so basically the socialists weren't revolutionary enough for him. And, uh, and then the big thing happened, World War I, which is where we get all of the fascism that comes in between World War I uh, and World War II. Yes. <laughs> world War I caused it, right? Yep. <laughs> so, and, uh, and he was all for the war. Because he was all about violence, violent revolutionary change. Oh yeah.
0: Violent nationalism, and yeah.
1: Exactly. Violent nationalism. That was the other the, the other thing with it. And the socialist party was like, look, it's just gonna be us poor people in the trenches. We don't wanna fight this war. And he said, Well, I think we should. And he was in charge of a socialist newspaper. And they kicked him out. He was he was kicked out of the socialist party. So he's like, Fine, I'll make my own. And he called it fascism.
0: And this is where I feel like, well, and actually, Michelle, before we get to that, Mm
1: -hmm. my
0: memory of, because I remember we took a class where he discussed kind of Mussolini a bit, and it sounded like he kind of came to power without bloodshed. Originally, it was, he had popular support, and the government, from what I remember, basically was like, all right, you got this and we'll step aside you guys can kind of do your thing and then as things always do that's when things started really going to shit is that somewhat um, accurate
1: <laughs> yes that is that is yes it is because his his rise to power it was technically bloodless however there were a whole bunch of l- little tiny things that his backers the black shirts did leading up to his appointment as prime minister that were very violent mm. you know dressed in their black uniforms as they were walking around with knives and weapons, actively intimidating people at the polls. They destroyed the newspaper offices of the socialist newspaper. He had worked for before, you know, there were violent acts like cracking skulls and stuff going around and intimidating people. So in that sense, yes, there was violence involved in it, but I mean, ultimately
0: it wasn't like a civil
1: war no, or anything like that. No, but that's part of why he was given power, though, is because the king and the parliament at the time were so afraid of civil war, of things ah. getting even worse. They were like, oh, okay, well, you're a strong guy. You seem well-organized, and more and more people want to follow you. Why don't you become prime minister and uh, ah. you know put things into order so we avoid civil war? So it was that apprehension and that fear of civil war that kind of prevented... Mussolini needing to t- use violent methods to take over the government. They well, they gave it to him.
0: <laughs> obviously it's a little different but uh the Germans took a very similar uh tactic with a guy named Adolf Hitler.
1: Yes, indeed. Where
0: they're like, well, we'll promote him to this role and he'll like it's it'll be just kind of I don't want to say like symbolic, but like he can it'll appear like we gave him some power and he can go off and talk and rant and do all this stuff. And, you know, this way we, he can't really do anything too horrible.
1: Right. And then it was like, Nope,
0: still happening.
1: Yeah. Well, that's what the Italians did with Mussolini first, you know, a whole decade before Hitler became chancellor in Germany, because as much as, as much as the old guard and these, you know, these elites who were in charge of the democratic systems at the time, as much as they were afraid of, you know authoritarian figures like mm-hmm. Mussolini and Hitler and stuff. They were even more afraid of the communists, and True. so that was their greater enemy. Um, and that's and that's part of how they were willing to give Mussolini power in the first place. Was the Bolshevik Revolution had happened just two or three years before this time, and the Communist Party was officially founded in Italy. So the old guard and the landowners and these rich people and exactly. the king and stuff were far <laughs> more afraid of a communist revolution. Then the guy with the black shirt saying, we want to make things better. We want to make Italy proud and great again. It that also, seemed like a much better trade-off than a communist revolution.
0: Well, not only that, the uh, aristocracy and the landowners, mm-hmm. they probably were like, hey, uh, maybe this guy won't take as much from us in taxes.
1: Exactly. And so we'll yep.
0: totally get behind it because mm-hmm. uh, oddly enough, I was just listening to – it's its months old uh, – The Chris Hayes podcast where he talks about can we tax the wealthy, and he brings okay. up that whole point of well a lot of times like it's a not just a matter of like policy but it's a matter of just like politics in general where can you tax the people that have the most power, mm-hmm. and it, oftentimes when uh, oddly enough this happened in Italy a while back where uh, they they're went basically insolvent because the government could not get the wealthy to pay what Mm. they were, what they owed. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that's a key component too of fascism not just Italy and Germany but other places of the wealthy going, (laughs) this actually kind of benefits us because you know, these other people have been taking more of our money and Mm -hmm. this guy, yeah, we don't like him but we can keep more of our money.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: And from there, again, I'm taking this to kind of what my remembering uh, remembrance of learning about Mussolini in school was is he's most famous for basically at that point becoming Hitler's bitch, for lack of a better term.
1: Right, which I think seems kind of wrong. <laughs> like it's well, it
0: diminishes all the horrible shit he did.
1: It does well. It diminishes him as a figure. It diminishes his agency, like his his like power was, yeah. and, and the choices that he made. Like it was
0: just an accident. Like oh, everyone was just fascist crazy in these few countries, and this guy right. just happened to come to power.
1: No, no, no. This guy like literally outlined the ideology that would directly inspire Hitler. Mm-hmm. It was you know we because I, I remember kind of learning that too growing up. Like oh, Mussolini was just a mimic of Hitler, but obviously he was never as successful or good you know, and I put those with air quotes around them, because successful, good, (laughs) what Hitler did was monstrous. Those were not good things, obviously. Um, But because Mussolini never had those same, you know, proclivities and he wasn't as successful at it, somehow he's he's lesser and just kind of like a buffoon, you know, like, um,
0: yeah, almost, we don't have to worry about fascism that much because, yeah, Hitler you know, killed millions of people, but mm-hmm. um, look at this other guy in Italy, he he didn't do shit and got killed, you know, executed in public with his mistress.
1: Right, like, yeah. Um, um, no. Which also, which also, funnily enough, like, influenced Hitler's choices. He saw what happened to Mussolini, mm-hmm. and so he took his own life before it could happen to him. Like, so... Even if Hitler took more territory and killed more people, he was still always just going toe to toe with Mussolini.
0: Well, and there's this is kind of where I feel like there might be like a word or a term for it from you know Snyder's offerings, like where people seem to think that national politics operates in some sort of like national vacuum which is mm-hmm. immune to what's happening around them. Right. So what's happening in like history. Right. And so there's no way that Hitler and you know his those around him weren't taking some lessons from Italy, incorporating it into their own politics just as you know we've talked about before uh, Putin has learned from what happened in Nazi Germany. As far as like consolidating his power,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like this, this goes. Uh, it's, it's all kind of, we're all interconnected, and there's a. I can't remember what the exact quote is, but the past is never past. It's always, it's always there, mm-hmm. and we can just go. no, nah, that was that was a mistake. Which I think about too with Hitler, because I, I remember learning about him when I was a kid, where it was, it seemed like. People wanted to use his evil anti-Semitism, evil racism, to show that oh, he was just a psychopath who was basically only in it to murder people, and the rest of it just nah, like you know, just put put it all in this Hitler guy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, there 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 are people that supported him. Um, there there's a the mechanisms that were supposed to be in place to keep him from doing this kind of all crumbled or you know, the famous thing we always talking about in high school was it was appeasing Hitler, like what mm-hmm. the you know, League of Nations did, which actually let him get uh, go nuts and not so much, you know, the whole uh, the fact that uh, he was terrible and we didn't stand up. But, uh, I'm rambling. I'm going to stop that point.
1: <laughs> no, 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 you're fine because that, but that's, but that's exactly right. And it's weird if you, if you think about the, the two main fascist figures of the interwar period, Mussolini and Hitler, their stories are frighteningly parallel to each other, even though, Mm -hmm. you know, like they are interconnected and obviously they did influence and interact with each other. But, you know, a lot of things that happened to Mussolini in the twenties is what happened to Hitler in the thirties. And it was at some point that they realized like, Hey, we should be on the same team because we both have similar ambitions it was Mussolini who didn't take Hitler seriously for a very long time because he was kind of a copycat and he thought his racial you know, ideology was a little too much, like mm-hmm. blah, 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 that's dumb. But Mussolini took power <laughs> without getting voted in. He changed the government. He had dictatorial powers for one year, which never ended just like Hitler was supposed to have mm. he took over the media he shut down other political parties like everything that Mussolini did in the 20s was just an outline for what Hitler would do in the 30s now I'm not trying to say that that's exactly what happened like obviously they're two different people and they're in two different countries and yes. two different time periods but again they're they're Outlines are very, very disturbingly similar. And and a lot of things that Mussolini did is exactly what Hitler did and what Franco would try to do and what all other dictators around the world end up doing too. You create an enemy, you take over the media, you shut down other parties, you use violence if necessary to keep people in line. And uh, and that's how you kind of keep your grip on power.
0: Well, I think it's important to uh, denote as well that in Germany alone, there was just... There was more resources there for Hitler to more successfully wage war. Yes. there is more That's industry. Also, mm-hmm. the surrounding countries, you know, like the breadbasket of Europe and stuff like that, really mm-hmm. allowed their economy to briefly kind of recover before the, you know, war spending and all that stuff. As we're mm-hmm. Italy, just looking at them geographically, you can see there isn't as much land. There's a fair amount of like mountains and stuff there, mm-hmm. um, and they're just they don't have as much, you know. I don't land. think they have coal
1: coal mines. Yeah. I don't think they really have steel factories or anything like that. They literally didn't have the same the same resources to create the weapons of war that Mussolini mm-hmm. probably really wanted. So,
0: yep, and uh, I think that that. So from what I also remember. It was that uh, lacking in military capability, which really made him unpopular, because initially Hitler had been fairly successful in his northern uh, African campaign.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Italy did not have the same initial success. and was Now, see,
1: this is a segment of history I do not know much about, so okay. I am intrigued, Noel. Please I don't know continue. as
0: much. I have read a fair not a fair amount, I think it's like any, like, even, like, a novice type expert ish but no i I for a while was very interested in military history and um yeah, um yeah, Italy did not fare as well in their campaigns there. Mussolini really didn't like Sicily, he actually had to send like troops down there to try and keep them under control, and part hmm. of why he really didn't like Sicily is there's a fair amount of actual diversity in sicily there has been for i don't want to say something like a millennia but for centuries it's you know there's a fair amount of greek ancestry people from northern africa people from uh the arab world and stuff like that and also uh you know they've kind of that's where the mafia was born so they're not really a big fan of the government there but (laughs) and Yeah, just especially Mussolini had a hard time with the English as it was in North Africa. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when uh, Patton and friends started going over there, they really had a a really hard time of it. And that's a good way to lose the populace is, do you remember, what was it, two, three years ago, where it was speculated that Putin was running into some real issues because, you know, they were... Basically, sending newly drafted or conscripted Russian military personnel into Ukraine, mm-hmm. and then, but they weren't there, so right. all of a sudden, all these parents were having their kids shipped back to them in,
1: in body bags. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. and
0: going, I don't know what happened. Yeah, and that's a good way to uh, to turn the populace against you is to lose a war,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that's kind of. I would imagine too, since uh, they were losing a war and did Mussolini ever really get their economy to even kind of have a bump like Germany's did under Hitler? Was it all just kind of smoke and mirrors?
1: I think, I I honestly don't know. I, I think it was mostly smoke and mirrors because even, even by the time, uh, American troops hit actual Italian soil. I think that was in, what, 43? Mm-hmm. They lost the southern half of Italy really fast. Like, it did not go well for the Italians at all.
0: No, in fact, that kind of... On their um,
1: homeland.
0: That gave the Allies almost a sense of arrogance as to how mm-hmm. the landing in France would go. Sure. Because those there, the landings there, they're like, hmm, this isn't too hard.
1: Well, and... In- and when the Italian government finally surrendered, I mean, in the northern half of Italy, it wasn't even their troops anymore fighting. The Nazis were still there because they were yep. a co-occupying force as being allies. And so the war just continued on devastatingly for Italian people, even though they weren't even actively supposed to be fighting there anymore. So, because yeah, when they, when they finally ousted Mussolini, it was, it was not pretty.
0: No, and uh, that's kind of a, uh, was a trademark of being in a partnership with the Third mm-hmm. Reich was they mm-hmm. left some bad folks behind
1: mm-hmm. to,
0: to make sure that even if, you know, the population was like, no, we're not really for this anymore. Like, yes, you are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it took, it took some brave people, a lot of uh, courage and sacrifice to get them out of there mm-hmm Yeah. Zoomed in way too much in this map. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm looking at a map too. <laughs> so do well, you, did you did you get the chance to look over the map I sent you? I have it
0: open right now. That's the map I is that what you zoomed at? in? On. Yeah.
1: yeah. So maybe we can include it in the show notes. Because yeah, I think yeah. it's very interesting, if nothing else. So trying to research a little bit of Mussolini's history, and you know attempting to come up to speed with the politics in Italy, which are very, very confusing to me. But anyways, I stumbled across this interactive Google map that's kind of created by like an Antifa organization in Italy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they call themselves Antifa or if they're just like Antifa, but what they've done is they've created... You mean jackbooted
0: Google- thugs that beat up jackbooted thugs? Wait.
1: Right, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, it, well, and Antifa is also who... Um Alessandra Mussolini attacked on Twitter too. Indeed. It, which is interesting. Um
0: she's also retweeted Trump.
1: I'm but, not you know. shocked by I'm not shocked by that at all. Uh but <laughs> anyways, they've created this map that is it, it's dated the source material is dated from 2014 to at least 2018, if not to up to the present date. Uh but it's it drops a pin. On the map of Italy, whenever they know there has been a, a an act of violence committed by somebody aligned with a fascist party of some kind, and they use the symbols that these parties are using themselves, and they are all horrifyingly Jesus, <laughs> similar. Jesus,
0: I was wondering about that. It was like
1: yes, no, swastika they all,
0: and a uh-huh. clan symbol.
1: Yes, they're 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 a hot mess mix of clan symbols, the swastika. Um, you know, skull and crossbones, like all kinds of terrifying things. Um, house on fire. Yes, there is a house on fire. One too. Um, but anyways, it's it's an interesting map because this is this is like it's not real time, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's so relevant right now. It is, and uh, you know, a lot of the the proto fascists. Movements in Italy are gaining a lot of traction for economic reasons, for anti-immigrant reasons, just for a lot of things that Italy white has
0: anxiety. Done.
1: Pretty much. Well, yeah. okay. So it's funny you bring that up because one of the candidates for the League Party he said that he was running to protect the white race. So that's a new element to fascism in Italy because it didn't necessarily have that a hundred years ago. True,
0: but that is fairly prominent in what's going on in the fascist movement in the like, greater European continent
1: right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with the immigration crisis. I don't. I shouldn't even call it that. It was a refugee crisis um, over the last couple of years. And Italy, granted, they've had to bear a lot of the brunt in some ways, True. but they still have not accepted or have nearly as many refugees as places like Germany and France. So... So even that to some extent is a little a little overblown. But also at least it, um, well, let me let me okay. say one more thing. One other thing economically though is that Italy's debt to GDP ratio <laughs> yeah. was second only to Greece. Yeah. As far as how it's doing. Greece being at the bottom of the barrel for the EU, Italy was right down there with them. So there's a lot of economic anxiety. Which, as we all know, leads to shit like this.
0: (laughs) Yes, and uh, in a way, like I know Greece kind of got blown up more, but Italy's debt is actually worse than Greece's debt. Uh, Also, they've got a larger population to sustain. Right. So it was like, this is a bigger hit. Um, I was just to add, as far as the refugee uh, crisis goes, is also... And this is why you're seeing different countries like Great Britain getting mad at the EU, not just mm-hmm. because they feel like they're being taken advantage of, which in some cases might be not in the case of Great Britain, but in the case of maybe Greece and Italy, where they have these massive amounts of debt and they're like asking you know Angela Merkel and others to go, hey, can you tell some of your companies there that loaned us money to not be so predatory as far as wanting, like not just their money back, but interest rates being so high? Yeah. Um, but what's more is the EU, led by a lot of nations like France, like Germany, like people like Angela Merkel, years and years ago, like almost a decade ago, I remember reading an article in The Economist that was – like, The Economist was telling the EU to look south to fill their labor labor needs because Mm -hmm. as a whole, Europe has had at least not – had a very slow birth rate. I think in some cases kind of negative.
1: Yes. In some countries, it has been negative, definitely.
0: And so they've got all of these people just across the Mediterranean from them looking for work. And you've seen a lot of them are actually – I mean, in the case of Syria, are actually educated and could, would be of, of value to your workforce. Right, right. And they're coming over. And so places like Italy and Greece where you know the economy has been shit, jobs are not forthcoming. And you're going, wait, why are all these people that don't look like me coming over here?
1: Mm-hmm. To it, get jobs. Yes.
0: It just doesn't – is a bad environment for like that can foment things like fascism because people get really resentful, they get really upset about their their deterioration as far as their own worth goes. Yeah. And Italy has also been very much, a, as you said, Michelle, a through point during the refugee crisis because mm-hmm. these people are trying to get away from being killed and coming over on boats. And Italy has a lot of coastline, and they're probably, I think, one of the closest to, you know, their uh, continental neighbors there. Yeah. And so whether or not they stay there, st- it's in their public consciousness.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, groups that prey on that, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a bad situation.
1: Right. At this, So, and you might know more about this than I do some of the people that are (laughs) the head of these proto-fascist parties and some of them just flat out fascists why do people still vote for them like like one of them one of the leading guys is still for the the right you know far right-wing coalition is Berlusconi, who they threw out of office exactly and he got in trouble for tax evasion and being a weirdo orgy freak that pays little girls to have sex. So, you know what I mean? Like the most like horrible type of human being. He's still part of their politics, and he can run for office this year again.
0: I would think part of it might be the devil you know kind of thing. From what I've I know because
1: uh, he's been around since the mid nineties. Yes. Like, and yeah, From what I know Berlusconi,
0: he's. His politics and his morals are, uh, to put it mildly, fluid. Yeah. And so he doesn't mind. I mean, this may remind you of certain politics politicians around here. They don't mind uh, adapting to whatever is popular, if, if it means getting them in power. Mm. And as far as Berlusconi goes, like, I don't know the politics of Italy that well, but I think just like... Believing that someone's been around that long, they can make something happen. And as long as they're kind of parroting the same kind of values, I suppose it appeals to people. Also, I I can't wrap my mind around this a whole lot, but a huge part of what we're seeing with the perpetrators of basically white supremacist violence across the globe... Mm -hmm. is they all have this weird love of trolling. Uh, For those of you who don't know what that is, that's usually going on the internet, saying something extremely offensive to get a rise out of somebody, and then kind of going, I didn't mean I was just trying to make you mad, but Mm -hmm. then never really disavowing the horrible things they say. Right. And this is where I'm at a loss for words as to how, like, How to actually describe this, but I think a lot of that. In um, remember who was saying it? I was listening to the Left, Right, and Center podcast, and they had a someone who studies these kind of things on there, and she was saying that within fascist movements there is a affinity for trolling because Mm -hmm. it kind of allows you to embrace horrible things or embrace people who say horrible things and not really own them because you're like, well, I was just doing that to make someone mad. right? And it just it runs rampant and then when something bad happens, it's like, well, I, I don't know if it's just the person then going, well, honestly, I'm cool with that happening or if they're just like, well, I don't want to appear like I was embracing that so I'm just going to keep kind of ignoring it. right? And So that's where I'm like, I don't really know how to answer that too much. But I think that's at least a component of it is this, oh, it's just trolling. It can't be that bad. Oh, I thought it was funny to say something horrible about the Jews. And, oh, this person got mad, which proved my point because they're overly sensitive. I'm not awful. Right. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah. And trolling – and I I am – I am also a person that has a really hard time wrapping my head around trolling, <laughs> like just as a concept. Um, again, because it's it's multi layered bullshit. Well, it, it's generally <laughs> it, it's not clever.
0: I have seen like people on like, a football blog I used to write for people who were legit good trolls, but they did so in ways that weren't offensive. They would hmm. basically make someone look stupid on. In this case, a football comment, mm-hmm. and then like just kind of get them to make themselves look even more stupid, right? But the just hey, I'm going to go on Twitter and use a use hate speech, and then watch as people get mad at me and go, "Yep, I obviously am on this something because it pissed people off," like right? Um, no. That's not how it works. So I I think that we've I've managed to not answer your question, but I do think that <laughs> the whole trolling element thing, there's got to be something to it there. I just don't know what exactly it is. Other than it is common amongst these groups who embrace whether they're doing so for the sake of quote comedy, right? Or if they actually believe it, it there it's certainly there. Yeah. Do you have any more on Mussolini and or the current state of fascism in Italy?
1: <laughs> I think that's probably going to okay. do it for tonight.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you want to try and help me out with this? Like some kind of easily digestible points for people who aren't like you or myself and, you know, have just completely gotten into fascism well, not in that, that's that's a poor choice of words have uh <laughs> completely gotten into studying fascism recently mm-hmm. and just go no like because i i feel like there's too many people on the right in particularly that are going well we call obama hitler and people called bush hitler before him so you know calling someone a fascist is that's just, you know, an easy way to, like, insult them. And mm-hmm. while I'm not – obviously, as I said before, Trump is not Hitler. He hasn't killed millions of people. He hasn't directly killed anybody, as far as we know. He's bragged about being able to do so and be fine. Yes. But I think people should know that despite what's – I should probably explain this, but despite what Jonah Goldberg and others at National Review have said, uh, for those of you who don't know, Jonah Goldberg wrote a book called Liberal Fascism, where he tried to, uh, because Mussolini was once technically a socialist as far as affiliation, have tried to really tie fascism to what we now consider progressivism or, for lack of a better term here in the United States, the Democratic Party. Right. When historically, it has more in line with conservative politics, especially conservative and liberalism. Um, and most of I I haven't read the book, but I have read books that people who know about fascism have said. Well, he talks about it, then uses a bunch of nonsense to put socialism, fascism, progressive together together because of. Well, Hitler was a member of the National Socialist Party. Right. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that spells it out. Um, that one word. <laughs> oh, yes. And I'll throw this in there, too. Michelle, did you see that uh, a I don't know, was it congressman or a senator, something Massey, asked John Kerry whether or not he had a science degree when they were talking about global warming?
1: I did not see that. What in the world?
0: So, John Kerry obviously kind of sussed out where this was going. And he's like, do you have a science degree from Yale? And he sat there for a second. Kerry did. And went, I have a political science degree. (laughs) That's clever. (laughs) And the guy was like, well, so um, why does that make you, so you have a science degree? He's like, no, it's liberal arts. It's a... You know, it's a bachelor's of liberal arts. It's a, you know, it's not actually science. And the guy says, like, so you're here discussing pseudoscience then.
1: Oh, God. And
0: John Kerry pauses for a second. He's like, is that your question? Is this seriously happening right now? And the guy tries to – the guy has degrees from MIT and tries yeah. to use this as an attack. And so that's why I was bringing this up with the like – but it's, he was a member of the National Socialist Party. Yes, because – that means that he was obviously a socialist. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's 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 the background there on Joda Goldberg. When we bring that up, is he wrote a book when Obama first came to power that was trying to essentially equate our modern our modern definition of progressive politics when it comes to the Democrats with fascism. And, you know, Nazism, really. And it's mm-hmm. kind of nonsense. And as much as I respect a lot of what Jonah Goldberg has written and said recently, he still will not back down from that. Right. Um, but, yeah, so back to what I was asking about. <laughs> is How do we find ways to tell people that are on the right that we – in in the case of my friend here, I, I love and – Respect, really. How do we tell him, hey, no, I'm not saying he's a full blown fascist, but he's using fascism to, and like the elements of fascism to really kind of move his political, not even career, but just to, make, in the case of Trump, make himself feel better about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the Republican Party is now abetting it to hold on to power. Right. Is there something you can think of, Michelle, that's like, hey, uh, clear cut that maybe would people who think we're just throwing rocks and just throwing the fascism word around irresponsibly would go, oh, I see that now.
1: I mean, it, well, in my mind, there's like too many examples. So it's, Agreed. It, And I'm not sure it's really going to convince anybody of anything, but these calls for getting rid of journalists yes and getting rid of judges and the myth of greatness yes those are all straight up ploys of fascism well things would be better if we didn't have judges well things would be better if we didn't have journalists it's all about this fake things would be better thing i'm making things better
0: Also, when it is pointed out that someone, well, not someone, when Trump is lying, when someone does something horrible in the context of what happened, I was legit angry when I first saw these reports coming out. And then when it was confirmed by the man himself, using scores of vulnerable people who are fleeing violence in Central America Mm -hmm. to cynically use them as a cudgel against your political opponents by, hey, we're going to say you actually don't like immigrants. We're going to send them to your city because you have sanctuary cities. Right. Which is really, when we say sanctuary, it's these are the most vulnerable people when they come to this country as well because if they go to the police to say, hey, these people are trying to extort me or these people are – Doing awful things to me because I can't go. The police are not getting arrested. Mm-hmm. The local authorities have gone. We won't prosecute you. We're we're just interested in actually getting people that are brutalizing you. Yes, that's what that means. It doesn't mean like, it's not some sort of weird, like, oh yeah, we're in theory we love immigrants. It's hey, we want this. Make sure the people who aren't breaking the law are getting the same protections that those that you know are. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, and that stems from the basic common like the, the basic stance of human rights yes. as a concept when people fleeing horrible things at after World War II, they were people without a country. Mm-hmm. They were people who had done nothing wrong in their own right, whose country and government literally could not save them, could not protect them, could not or would not protect them. That's what sanctuaries, cities are meant to do, is to try and help people who don't deserve to be hurt.
0: It's not promoting lawlessness. It's trying to make sure that the law protects people who need to be protected. Right. So that really, really, I won't get into that too much. That really, really bugged me when he did that. Um, Oh, gosh. To the point where now I'm, I'm deviating from my own point. <laughs> um, what was I saying, Michelle? <laughs> Steer me back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> bring it back. Bring it back. Um, what were we talking about?
0: <laughs> well, trying to find – the initial thing was trying to find the, ways to – The
1: examples. To, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and, oh, I know what I was going to say. Yes, the whole like, well, this is just how politics is, is – Politics is a corrupt, amoral mass of, and just awash with terribleness. And you'd do it too if it came down to it. So like, you know, when we're doing, dear listeners, I would encourage you to, well, not encourage you, but if you want to be sad for a few minutes, look up some of the most like recent news as far as the federal judges that Trump is nominating. They're disagreeing with court decisions that protect you know uh basically want to redo segregation it's awful like there these are people that you know we're we're constantly told by the right that judicial activism is bad these are judicial activists they are saying things that well i don't agree with said ruling on ideology alone so i will simply not abide by it and that goes against centuries of jurisprudence but thank you Um, so there's that, just the whole, like, well, things are always shitty as opposed to, well, (laughs) they weren't, things have always been shitty as far as our politics go, but if we just realize that and realize that this guy has what's, he wants to make us great again, it doesn't matter that he's an amoral asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. And I guess... (laughs) My own kind of advice would be to any listener that wants to actually be like: Is there really fascism going on in the conservative wing of, uh, of the political spectrum here? Read Timothy Snyder's books. Or re- that just the Road to Unfreedom will just alone be like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Read some other books. I haven't finished it, but Mel um, Albright's book on fascism is very, very mm. good. Or just you know read a paper. Like or some of the stuff that you and I have posted in the show notes, that's been like, no, um, these are scholars on fascism going, mm hmm. And but, so yeah, I think you're right though, Michelle. <laughs> not sure if there's a way if, if someone consumes mostly right wing, not even right wing, mostly pro Trump or anti, never Trump media on the right, they're going to go, oh, I see it now. And I say that while also wanting to reiterate that I'm not saying that the Republican Party is totally pro-fascist, but they're playing with some dangerous elements that uh, history has told us to stay away from.
1: Right. Yeah. I would agree with that.
0: And with that, unless you want to add anything else, do you want to go to a good thing of the week? Although... I've had a well, I've had a great few weeks here, but I'm just trying to think. <laughs> it's early on in the week,
1: uh huh. And
0: I'm just like, do I really have anything? I don't know if I do or not, but I'll
1: think of well, something. Well, yeah, I, And I know what you mean too. And I was thinking like, well, what would my good thing of the week be? And I don't know. The- I, I'll be, I'll be, um, I'll be uh, a little, a little whiny and a little. A little Pitying, I have got a bad thing of the week.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, because I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing where you're going with this. I was going to say a bad thing of the, well, good thing of the week, based on what you're probably going to go with here, is that the fire
1: at the... Notre Dame de Paris. <laughs> I Our used to know that Paris. back in high school. <laughs> um, I probably said it badly, too. So anybody out there that actually like studied French, like, don't hold hold it too much against me but yes go ahead go ahead with how my bad thing of the week is the good thing of the week too <laughs>
0: well just f- from looking on now and i well i could get into why this same thing why it's a bad thing of the week as far as politics goes is judging on how people reacted to it on a certain side of the political spectrum but i'll avoid that um those videos looked awful like you know the uh was the spire falling
1: yeah, like, yeah, oh the spider my collapsing. Yeah, but the, the go
0: ahead, the inside of the church itself wasn't actually damaged too badly. Mm-hmm. And you know, those that building is amazing. Like, I didn't get to go in. This is sort of ironic. Um, when I went there in high school, it was closed for maintenance, mm. so I got to go walk on the outside and just it was a cold rainy day too it's like mm-hmm. this is actually kind of cool like looking at it like this like it's almost like very ominous and foreboding but it makes like I don't know it's probably be better than the sun but it did make all the like <laughs> architecture like kind of pop out at me but, I think
1: gothic art is great when it's a little cloudy a little rainy like yeah. it's very it's very fitting
0: <laughs> it, it somehow has this like more so like historical heft as opposed to hey it looks all happy um hmm but I guess, yeah, that's not a good thing of the week. But I was at least sort of like – because I spent most of the day probably in somewhat a similar way to you, Michelle. I was looking at that like one of the greatest things like as far as like structures I've ever seen mm-hmm. could be gone forever. Right. And it in such like a stupid way.
1: Yeah. In such a like tragically – unintended ironic kind of way they were trying like, to fix
0: it and maintain
1: trying it. to fix it yep yeah and yeah so like my bad thing of the week is like part of Notre Dame burnt down but it's now turned into the good thing of the week that most of it didn't burn down yeah. <laughs> thank god for that like it was a, it was that sharp turning point at like I don't know four or five this afternoon when the news reports were like okay it's just the roof <laughs> you know what I mean like and
0: In- some people got hurt, but as far as I know, nobody died. That's... Nobody
1: died. I, I and we're going to get ref, you know conflicting reports for a while, I'm sure. Um, firefighter, I think, was injured. Um, but I mean, it was just that's that's one of the the downfalls slash benefits of the world we live in now is just watching something live like that. Yeah. I mean,
0: and this feeling of helplessness, even though absolutely, you know, it's not like a loss of flight. Life kind of situation. It's like no, no,
1: no, no. And know, it's almost was like a loss of
0: humanity. Kind of like we're losing something that this is really, this is really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Something that's and and the roof. It, I mean, the beams. I you know, I wrote this article that I'll post later tonight. But like the roof, the beams for that roof were built in the 1220s. The 1220s. Like that's almost unfathomable in in human terms to think. And it would you know this absolutely amazing structure and so it was it was really sad to watch watch it happen
0: maybe you can correct this or actually like you've got a better uh figure but i saw on twitter someone had posted the same thing about like when the roof was erected that it took like thirteen thousand was it oak trees Mm -hmm. to put up is that correct
1: I don't know about the number of trees, but they did call it the forest because I, I, I did see that. It yeah, it took a forest outside of Paris. They cut down so many trees from that forest; the forest was almost gone. Basically, like that's the that's the story there, anyways. Um, it took them decades to cut down and hewn these pieces of wood into these planks that would eventually hold up the the roof for. You know eight centuries um so that in and of itself is like a tragic loss in like architectural history Mm uh but it but at least at this point a lot of things had been removed from the cathedral as part of the renovation they were able to get more artwork out i'll be i'll be you know following things to see if like the stained glass windows were damaged it has some of the most famous stained glass windows in in the world that are that are also, you know, <laughs> centuries and centuries old. And um, yeah, like, so here I am, the historian, like, moping over this, like, all afternoon. And my boyfriend, he sent me a couple of pieces that were like, don't worry, it'll be rebuilt. And there's still part of me that's like, yeah, but just because you can make a new one doesn't mean you've replaced the thing that was lost. Like, I, I really... It
0: it was sad to see, so. And they can replace the new one, but reading about the history of just, like, the maintenance of that place Mm kind of gave me a greater, like, appreciation of it that it's been over 800 years of thousands of people working to not only just make sure that, you know, this centuries-old building didn't become a ruin, Mm -hmm. But that every time, like, even those of you who haven't actually been there to see it or, you know, like, me being outside to see it, uh, you see it on TV, you know, on a stupid video on Twitter, you're like, wow. Mm -hmm. And so to me that – I'm not saying, like, this is a great thing of the week, but it's, like, it's kind of a reminder of, you know, just what the collective – will of humanity can do or it's like no we value this structure this much that we're going to keep working at it and mm-hmm. how many you, you probably know this michelle how many years did it take to erect the thing in the first place
1: 200 plus yeah. more yeah. than 200 years
0: and you know a lot of those people uh who gave their lives to set it up uh, weren't making a lot of money if any <laughs> um and
1: we will never know their names those but, people are lost to us
0: indeed but it's like hey this wasn't put up by one person this wasn't put up by a group of investors this was put up by people who gave it their everything in some cases and people that as labor was more valued still not valued enough but um you know, continue to work because they're like, whether or not they're Catholic or even Christian, they love keeping this historical work of tremendous art up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I guess that's that's my haphazard good thing of the week is that <laughs> through this, yeah, I, this this feeling of helplessness I had myself today, like looking at that, like, shit. Like, well, it's it's a reminder that this is also a monument to what humanity can do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: As a motorcycle zooms past my head. <laughs> I
1: was like, this is very <laughs> ominous, Noel. Do you have sound effects for our podcast?